thou art a ghost that hath come from the earth, or a phantom of night that hath no hollow, or one that lieth dead in the desert, or a ghost unburied, or a demon, or a ghoul, whatever thou be until thou art removed, thou shalt find here no water to drink, thou shalt not stretch forth thy hand to our own, into our house enter thou not, through our fence break through thou not. We are protected, though we may be frightened. Our life you may not steal, though we may be scared to death. Welcome to Scared to Death. Hello, Dan. Hello, Lindsay. How's it going? Good, good. I'm very good. excited for today's tales. Look what I got. Yeah, you get a little protection cross. It's What's that called? It's called a hand cross. A hand cross? A hand cross. So it's You'll need it today. It's shaped in a specific way to make it comfortable to hold on to. I think you're supposed to clutch it to your heart. Cross very fitting for today's tales. Very, oh, yeah? very fitting. Okay. Okay. Mm-hmm. Also, don't worry. Don't get too excited. <laughs> I got an amulet. Ooh. Now, it's, a protection I mean, amulet. Yeah, it's hard to see, I'm sure. From a fan, correct? From a fan in Portland, yes. And she told me I have yeah. to have it on my my skin. Okay. Skin, skin to amulet. Portland was wonderful to us this year. <gasps> Come on, it was so the fun. Was st- stand best. up if you're curious. If you're listening, it was a stand stand up shows for me. But Lindsay came, and so a lot of people in the meet and greet uh, love talking to Lindsay about scared to death. So it was great. Yeah, there's a lot of other people who are fucking freaking out. So I <laughs> yep. feel good. Good, good. Well, it's Halloween week. Happy Halloween! Yay! Happy All Hallows Eve. Happy All Saints Day. Happy Samhain. Samhain, what's that? It's the Celtic pagan origin of Halloween. Okay, are we talking about that today? Or are you no, just no, just 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 throwing that out there? Okay. There's a little, you know, feels fitting, a little culty, almost sounding because it's pagan. I know it does. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Hope the harvest has been good for everyone. <laughs> hope hope the door between the uh, worlds of the living and the dead not too open for anyone. Oh, I wish that they would just slam shut at this point. <laughs> Please leave me alone. Thank you. We have a very very Satan-y week here at Bad Magic Productions on Time Suck. We talked about the Church of Satan. Oh in yeah. A very analytical kind of Anton Lavey historical way. And now two Satan-y tales today that are, I think, much more scary than what I was talking about in Time Suck. Okay, well, I'm just hoping that, like, Satanic, yes. Mm-hmm. Haunted by Satan, no. Mm, yeah, yes. Both, yeah, it was, you'll see. You'll see. Okay. 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 And a lot of good feedback from last week. Uh, apparently, apparently, that's the scariest episode yet for many listeners. Yeah, uh, the Burned Alive, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Burned Alive and the Dybbuk Box. Oh, it's still sitting here. Now, I... I I know we're going to dive right into it, but mm-hmm. I just want to say one thing since we said sure. Dibbuk. Um, Dibbuk, whatever. Various pronunciations. Yeah. Uh, we've had a few people offer to come and get it. Yeah, yeah, we have. And so just know that if you're listening, we're working on it. But <laughs> but the people who've offered, people want to open it in front of us. And I'm like, get the fuck out of here. And, and we did, and speaking of listeners, we did come up with uh, <gasps> some names for listeners. We've had a lot of requests for that and a lot yeah. of suggestions. Here's what we're thinking. So here's out. Okay, Here's so we're out. starting with this. Got it. We're starting with this. Whew. We're thinking. We're thinking creeps and campers, right? Like are it. you are you a creep or are you a camper? Can I be both? You ah uh, no, you can't actually. You got to be one or the other because okay. the the kind of horror fan who could live on a steady diet of murder, demons, shadow people, still not to leave the light on. You know they don't need it. You know there's no such thing as too much terror for you. You're a creep. I am not a creep. I am, I am You're definitely, a I'm a camper. Camper, you like to gather around the digital campfire here we've made. Yeah. You know, you, you like horror, you like getting the chills, you like goosebumps, but you also hate it so much. I hate it. <laughs> because this stuff scares the shit out of you. And you're not sleeping. You're not sleeping. Maybe you have the nightlights on, you know, you're on the edge of getting the nightlights, but you still keep coming back for this. Well, here I That's am. That's a camper. That's I'm a, a camper. camper. 
I'm a camper. So creeps and campers, we're going to try that out. Okay. Two tales today. All right. Along the same thing. And then we'll talk more later in the show. Yeah. Getting used to that now. Uh, Talking about Satanism in the first story, did a man in the late 1970s dabble too far into the occult? And after studying rituals with the first Church of Satan and with other kind of Wicca type organizations, did he conjure a demon that attacked his friend, drove him uh, to madness? Probably. And in the second tale... We go to Fall River, Massachusetts, home at one time to likely axe murderer Lizzie Borden. Oh, dear. And we look at a series of murders that took place in late 1979, early 1980, where three women not just killed, but actually sacrificed to the Christian devil. No. Mm, Wait. Maybe. Maybe. Clutch this to my heart. And also stay tuned after uh, my two stories for two of your stories. Debuting the Scared to Death My Stories this week. Very excited for that. Uh, encounters with horror that you creeps and campers have been sending into my story at scared to death podcast.com. That's it. That's it. Okay. Let's get to it. You ready? You ready for the first tale? Can I, can I put my blankie on? You can get your blanket, your can protection I, blanket on. My protection blanket. I've got some new, um, some new <laughs> I, it's very, new socks. Uh, it's, it's a difficult angle, you know, but <laughs> <laughs> our fans in Portland, I got some new unicorn socks. No, Dan, you also got unicorn socks. I but did. I want you to keep your shoes on. I'm going to keep my shoes on. Thank you. Everyone thanks you. <laughs> hold on. Hold on. Okay. You tell me when you're ready. Okay. Cross, amulet, hand, amulet, unicorn socks, protection blanket, and... And you're ready. Go. Time now for the tale of a conjuring gone wrong. In 1956, Martin Friedman was born into a middle-class Jewish family in New York City. His parents weren't overly religious, but they did keep the customs and the traditions of their faith and educated their children likewise. Martin attended Hebrew school where he learned to read, write, and speak Hebrew, and at the age of 13, he celebrated his bar mitzvah. At the time, young Martin identified as Jewish, not just culturally, but in the sense of the Jewish faith as well. He believed. But then in 1972, when he was 16, he lost that faith. Uh It was Rosh Hashanah, the Jewish New Year. And attendance at the temple service required the purchase of a ticket, as is customary for the high holidays. Mm-hmm. Martin had his tickets and was waiting for things to begin when he saw an elderly woman looking for a chair in the crowded space, seeing no empty seats. Martin got up and offered her his seat. Immediately, an usher came over and told him he couldn't do that. Oh. The woman hadn't bought a ticket and therefore was not entitled to a seat, the usher explained. Martin looked at him dumbfounded, then laughed and just walked out. Just like that, he'd had enough. Okay. Maybe a bit dramatic. This is the moment that caused him to depart from his Jewish faith, and he never again set foot in a synagogue. A year later, when he was 17, the now spiritually wandering Martin had his first experience with the occult. His friend took him to an occult shop in town that was owned by his friend's cousin. Martin was impressed by the friendliness and the knowledge of the shop owner. He was intrigued by the vast collection of strange books and wares on display and for sale. Books on spells, astrology, tarot cards, divination, demons, astral projection... All sorts of things he knew very little about. A lot of the books scared him. Some, like Anton LaVey's Satanic Bible, he didn't even want to touch. Oh. Oh, you know, and actually, uh, I'm sorry. I I, I just realized, timeline-wise, that does not work. So I was thinking of occult books. I was adding some examples. He did not see Anton LaVey's (laughs) Satanic Bible because that book had not been published yet. But he did see a variety of occult books in the store. Fair enough. Fair enough. 
The shop owner introduced. Him. I was waiting. I was like, "Oh, a lot of emails going to come off that one." I was thinking. I was thinking of examples of the books they would have there. Right. That is not the correct one. I should. But have lots used. of creepy, scary books. Yeah, yeah. The, and just like fascination. The, the range of books is the same. Yeah, like yeah. you've been brought up religious, and now you're like, "Ooh, okay, what is this?" Right. I'm with you. Right. I'm right. with you, Dan. Okay. Okay. I'm with you. The shop owner introduced him to a pair of regular customers, Jane and Steve, who were practicing Wiccans. Mm-hmm. They talked. They talked to Martin. At length about the beliefs that they you know, had and invited him to a pagan circle so he could learn more. And curious, Morgan, Martin checked it out. He was hooked. He spent the next several months with his new friends learning about pagan deities, Wiccan rituals, and of course spells and magic. They called themselves White Wiccans, always made it clear to themselves and others that they intended no harm to come to anyone through their rituals. Okay. Soon Martin was a full-fledged practitioner of what they called the craft. After high school... Martin, still a practicing Wiccan now, joins the Air Force. He's delighted to discover that there are Wiccan groups and covens all over the world. No matter where he's stationed, he can practice his craft with others. He also discovers through his travels that Wicca was just one aspect of witchcraft and the occult. There were much more secretive and also darker worlds of worship revolving around spells, hidden knowledge, and magic. And then one day on leave of the 1970s, Martin found one of these darker worlds. Oh, dear. It was a beautiful summer day in San Francisco. When a man walked up to Martin in a shopping mall, he was carrying a red leather satchel with an inverted pentagram emblazoned on it. Martin's curiosity was piqued. He, of course, was familiar with the pentagram. His Wiccan groups used them all the time, but theirs was not inverted. The man introduced himself as a member of the First Church of Satan, and he invited Martin to one of his ceremonies. While Martin had no interest in knowingly worshiping Satan, he wasn't even sure he believed in the concept of Satan. Mm -hmm. He was interested in seeing how this group differed from his own, so he agreed to go. Okay, okay. And Martin ended up attending a black mass. When he arrived, he was told to remain in his seat and quietly observe. He was told not to get up no matter what happened. What followed was a blasphemous parody of the Eucharist celebration practiced by the Catholic Church. The officiant of the mass was a defrocked priest... The altar servers, nude women, and the bread and wine used in the ceremony stolen from a local parish. Oh. As the priest did perverse things with the communion wafers, such as inserting one into one of the altar's vaginas. What? As he poured communion wine between an altar woman's breasts, all under the shadow of a massive inverted crucifix. What? Martin sat in his seat transfixed. By the end of the ritual, he wanted to leave. The mocking tone of the black mass just didn't sit well with him. It was too dark. Yeah, too much. Nothing like Wicca. It felt angry, cold, and heavy. And after about ten or and about ten minutes before the mass was over, he felt something enter the room. Uh-oh. Something not human. It felt so real, so dark, that he refused to look behind him towards where he felt this energy emanating from. He was frightened. Oh dear. When the mass was over and he was allowed to leave, Martin couldn't exit fast enough. He also couldn't stop thinking about what he just felt. He's trying to assure himself that all the hail Satans he'd heard during the ceremony were just for show. The Satanists themselves had assured him that they, like his Wiccan friends, didn't even believe in Satan. Mm -hmm. And over the next few years, he convinced himself that the overall blasphemous atmosphere of the Black Mass had just creeped him out. Okay, okay. Nothing unusual had entered the room during the middle of the ceremony. It, It couldn't have. Several years after the Black Mass incident, following his discharge from the Air Force, Martin, still practicing Wicca, became the high priest of a coven near his home. One day he was paid a visit by his old mentor, Steve, who had kept his own Wiccan activities through the years, the guy he had met in that occult bookshop. Yeah. Now delving into the deeper, uh, or now this guy was now delving into the darker aspects of the occult and wanted Martin's help. Stephen wanted to conjure up an actual demon. Why? 
He told Martin he'd been studying from authentic occult ritual books. He was confident he could do it. It would be easier with a partner, though, and it would be nice to have a witness if he was successful. In spite of his uncomfortable memories of San Francisco, Martin agreed to help. After all, he didn't really believe in the devil anyway. So what harm could come from this? If the devil wasn't real, neither were demons, right? Oh, Martin. And honestly, it excited him to think about attempting the conjuring. What if it did work? What might he see? Oh, Jesus. What entity might they bring into this world? Martin was not of a darker disposition, but he did find this morbidly exciting. Uh. A few nights later, Martin met at Stephen's house and with him began performing a demon-raising ritual as described in great detail in a much-revered book of ceremonial black magic. My God. Stephen assured Martin that as long as they stayed within the lines of the protective circle inscribed on the floor, they would be safe no matter what. Bullshit. Martin began to feel uneasy almost immediately when they commenced the ritual. The atmosphere in the room noticeably changed. It was suddenly heavy and ominous. And then again, Martin felt as if there was something in the room with them. He was sure of it. His mind flashed back to that satanic black mass in San Francisco. And then, from out of nowhere, a beautiful woman materialized just outside of the circle. Both Martin and Stephen saw her. (gasps) Voluptuous and enticing, she beckoned them to come to her. Her lure was powerful, so seductive. Martin began to step outside the circle. No, 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 no. But then fear paralyzed him. Something about this woman just wasn't right. Nothing was right about any of this. As he stood frozen and confused, this woman slowly changed into her true form, the most hideous creature Martin had ever seen or imagined, a true monster. Humanoid but not human-ish, rotten-looking, decayed-looking. Its gray-brown skin, if you could call it skin, seemed to ripple and undulate. It looked sick, it looked like death, but also very, very much alive, powerful. A nauseating stench rolled off this beast in waves, and when it took a step toward him, he thought for sure he would collapse and die from fear itself. My God, they had done it. They had really done it. Stephen's spell had worked. They actually conjured a demon, and now they were going to pay for it. (sighs) As they stood and stared, paralyzed with fear, the creature suddenly just disappeared. As instantly and mysteriously as it arrived, it was gone. What? Relief immediately washed over Martin. And he could see by glancing over at Stephen that his friend was also breathing easier. They stood in shocked silence for a moment. They looked around the room and then locked eyes for a beat before Stephen said, It's over. We did it. He covered his face in his hands, let out a little nervous laugh. And then he started to say, I, I, I need to write everything down before I forget. And he started to step outside the circle. No. Martin suddenly panicked, tried to stop him, interrupting, Stephen, don't, it might not be over. As he said that, Stephen's foot hit the ground outside the circle, and immediately a wall the two were facing started to shake no. and gradually dematerialize. It was replaced by a vision of what Martin later stated was a glimpse of hell itself. Oh, my God. Shrouded in shadows and smoke, the scene before them unfolded like a nightmarish play. Far off screaming and cursing and moaning echoed up from somewhere deep below. A ghoulish collage of human and demonic faces floated towards them through a strange haze. The stench from the first vision returned. It was now a hundredfold worse. Sulfur, rotten eggs, decaying flesh. No words could describe the foul odor that blanketed the room. And then the demon was back. It arrived as just a shadow at first, and then steadily grew in stature and clarity until its full, terrifying form stood before the two men, a mere arm's length away. Martin's sanity began to crumble. Uh, The sight before him was too horrifying to comprehend. It wasn't just what he was seeing, although that was hideous beyond belief, but it was a feeling from this grotesque beast 
a hatred so pure and evil that it made Martin want to die to escape it. The demon turned to Stephen, leaned forward, its face inches from his own as it demanded, Why have you summoned me? Ah! Stephen began to recite the words needed to send the demon back, but they weren't working. The demon laughed, and then Stephen levitated up off (gasps) the floor, flew across the room, Uh -uh. crumpling into a wall 15 feet away. Martin, now in full flight or fight mode, ran out of the room to the back of the house, locked himself in the bathroom, and he can't remember how long he stayed locked inside. After what may have been minutes, or maybe even hours, Martin decided he had to return to check on Stephen. Ah, fuck. He cracked the bathroom door and listened. The house was quiet. He heard no screaming or cursing. It's not over. He detected no foul smell. He slowly made his way back to the ritual room, and as he approached, he could hear someone talking. Oh, God. Oh, God. When he entered the room, his heart sank. It was Stephen, slumped against the wall, his eyes glazed over, babbling oh, incoherently. Oh, dear. He wasn't dead, but he was gone just the same. Martin called the police, told them he had dropped by, found Stephen in this state, catatonic. He doubted the police would believe the truth. Stephen never recovered. He spent the next 20 years in a psychiatric <gasps> institution Nuh-uh. where he eventually took his own life. Ugh. Martin walked away from religion once again. He had stared evil incarnate in the face. He had seen the devastation that can occur by challenging it. Many years later, he became Catholic. Oh. And he now uses his story to scare others away from the occult. He firmly believes that dark occult magic is very, very real. And he believes that you're a fool if you think you can control the consequences of using it. Yikes. I did not like that at <laughs> all. Yeek. Feeling protected by your by your cross? Well, you know, what's funny is I was, I think I was white knuckle gripping this baby. Mm-hmm. I mean, huh. Yeek. Fucking Steven, stay in the goddamn circle, man. Stay in the circle. Well, I, I can't, I actually can't believe Martin jumped out of the circle because if, I get, I get that he was terrified, f- fight or flight. Right. And I'm a total, total flight. Like. Yeah, I think it'd be instinct. I mean, if you did see I something know, like I that, wonder which if, is uh, what would incomprehensible. What if he stayed in the circle? What if he would have stayed in? I don't know. Maybe, maybe once the circle was broken by one, maybe it didn't matter. I don't know how those were. I do. And I do know that, you know, there are a lot of books about these things. And I mean, right. I just did a ton of research about the first church of Satan and the occult. And, you know, you can believe in it's. Reality or not, but there definitely is a lot of people, you know, Aleister Crowley is a famous example of people who spent a lot of years studying these things and and people who firmly believe these things are possible. These conjuring type spells. I mean, the black mass they described, I mean, I I do know. That's insane. I've never heard of that. Oh, that's a a, a black mass. I mean, I've heard of it, but not described like that. Like a, a... The Holy Eucharist shoved up someone's vagina? Oh, yeah. The Black Mass is just a, a, a blasphemous parody of a Catholic Mass. But it's awful. Here's the thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm not religious, mm-hmm. right? Like, I mean, it, it's, it's, a, it's, a big, so. it's a big fuck you to Catholicism. Right, right. But I, I – and, and that's not okay to me because I yeah. don't think it's okay to say like a big fuck you to any re- religion unless like we're talking maybe Scientology. Right. Um, yeah, Levain Satanism is an interesting religion that way because it's 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 – called a religion but it's more of an anti-religion it's it's more of an opposition to christianity right and a denouncement of all christian beliefs like levain and satan is they don't actually believe in satan right they just think christianity is stupid and they just shit on it it's a big part of like the ethos right. of that and, and i do have some pictures of black mass <sighs> i would really rather not this is a black mass gathering all right now that's levain 
This is an old black and white photo of a Levian, you know, uh, black mass with the, the nude altar woman. Yeah, oh, and what's with the nudity? Like, is it just like so overtly sexual? It, it's it, that, no, that because no. Christianity is so modest. Exactly, everything is inverted. Right. So because Christianity is more sexually repressive, super. Right, super. So you know, Levian Satanism flips it. Everything is flipped. Okay. So okay. so that's all the rituals are based on mocking. Uh, what you know, Christianity holds dear. Uh, unfortunately, my my mind just skipped to uh, like the gay lesbian, like cause mm. of course Catholics, Christians, like the Bible is very anti that, or so. Yeah, interpretations of it are yes. Yeah, thank you. Interpretations are. Uh, so, do they ever have uh, like gay men or gay women? Uh, or is it specifically just like a nude? Woman. Well, if you follow the Levian kind of black mass, but that's the thing about Satanism, I and mean, just like Christianity, there's different denominations. Essentially, oh yeah, it's le- I would it's much less regulated. Right. Like the Satanic Bible written by Levian is not the equivalent of the Bible. You know, Got it was written it. in the '60s, and uh, there's another like uh, Anton Levay here. This is another um, uh, black mass. This is what happens when someone gets naughty, I guess. I guess. So he's spanking some bottoms. Is that you really know. a black mask? <laughs> no, that, but that's really <laughs> Anton Levey and oh, okay. some of his, and some of his uh, followers. That's just him being silly with uh, wearing a little devil horn outfit. And is he and being silly or was he it's, it's doing all, a little it's porn? All to mock. It's all to mock. No, he didn't do porn. It's it's all just uh, publicity photos to mock. Got it. Got it. Got it. Uh, there's one more here that I just thought was uh, interesting. <laughs> That's a black. Now this is the variation what? of black mass where they took it further and decided to do the black mass while also dressed as uh, in clown makeup, just to make it more scary. That's it, not Levain. That's just some it's random. Not scary. It's just kind of silly. Stupid. Well, this last one shows. This last picture shows what happens if you do a good job at a, at a black mass. Whoa! You get rewarded. <laughs> you get rewarded. Yeah, you sit with the Baphomet, you know, you know, Sigil behind you, and and you get your golden phallus. I, held. I was just gonna say that's not. Is that like? Is his penis in a? Golden cast? Like, I don't even understand what's happening there. No, that's just a little uh, little uh, golden penis phallus thing they have, just part, part of their, one of their occult objects. Oh, so that's not his dick. That, no, that's not. I was like, what is happening here? <laughs> I just thought, I just found those pictures just interesting. So, well, I Of mean, course you did. I bet you had a good time researching this. <laughs> would, uh-huh. you, would you ever go to a black mass? Ooh, well, maybe out of curiosity, mm-hmm. you know? But that's the thing curiosity killed the cat right i don't want curiosity to kill me <laughs> right you know right? like martin says when he went to that mass he yeah. felt something yeah I, it'd do, you be one, do you think you'd feel something well i already feel something in our house all the time so <laughs> probably yeah uh maybe but maybe if i like wore like my amulet underneath and have okay. like crosses in my pocket and a garlic necklace i mean i don't know all the things now i know now you i don't think you would ever try a conjuring spell ever Fuck right no are you insane would you I would you be mad if I did? Yes. Why? Don't bring that shit home with you, man. Now, see, because I, I understand their curiosity. I think a lot of listeners would be like, "What? Why would you ever do that?" But I'm I'm, I'm reading that and I'm like, "Okay, I kind of get it." Because what if you could watch just it to from have a distance? Proof. Right. Exactly. It's it's okay. um yeah to see something scary and be like, "Oh my god, it's for sure real." And then you're fucked up for the rest of your life because you can't get that image out of your head. I yeah, think it's better not to know. Better not to know. Yeah, because it's like right now it's. Anything that my imagination can conjure up, and it's not based on anything I've ever seen, right? So it's like um, when you see a scary movie, right? And and then an image stays in your brain. Yeah, you're like, oh, okay. You have a yeah. point of reference. If I don't have a point of reference, and it's just my mind making right. it up, then it, it's better because then I can also wish it away. I'm like, oh, I just made that up in my head. 
What if I conjured a demon that was kind of helpful in some way? Like he liked to eat garbage or something or <laughs> give back rubs. I was probably not very demony, but. No, no. I don't think that's very demony at all. Okay. Yeah. So he doesn't maybe, sound very probably, helpful. Probably shouldn't try and, uh, you know, conjure any demons. I mean, would you open the Dybbuk box? You know what's funny is I, um, no. It's it's fun. Huh. <laughs> not right now, but maybe later. But, but well, I, not but, around me. Not, no. <sighs> So long it, it, as I'm alive, you cannot open that I feel, box. I feel silly for being creeped out by it because I know after that story, see, that's how I'm torn. I, I, I Maybe I would consider myself a creep of our listeners. You are a creep. I, I like a lot of the horror and like I sleep fine at night. I don't need the nightlight stuff. But then in weird moments, I get super spooked and I get kind of mad about it. And there's part of me that's like, no way. No way. That, that like, story, there's you. no way it's real. Yeah. Come on. Nonsense. I can open it. I'll be fine. But then there's another part of me that's like, don't risk it. Right. Remember, um, <laughs> I think I don't think we were doing the show yet, but you were in a hotel room by yourself. Oh, God, yeah. I you... had some scary freak out moments. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like something grabbed your foot or... Oh, I, th- I thought I felt something walk into the room. Probably did. <laughs> no, you, you I was, don't want it to... No, you were staying in a hotel in Koreatown in yeah. LA. It's mm-hmm. probably an old building. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. God. No, no. I don't so, like to let my mind... Now I'm kind of... Yeah, right, it, so it does now, freak me out a little bit. But and yet you want to conjure a demon in the protection circle. Okay, you know what I would be okay with? Yeah, uh, conjuring a demon. If, like a, if someone else was like conjuring a teeny demon, de- like a weak, the weakest demon. Well, whatever. Okay. Like, yes, yes, but that's not what I was going to say. Um, watching other people conjure a demon, like you know, um, a surgical viewing room where you can, like, Ooh. yeah. If I was like out of it, <laughs> I want like. I love how this makes me think I'd be safe. I know. I, I picture a horror film now. Gla- I want protective glass. I want to be like in a bulletproof room. <laughs> As if that's yeah. a thing. But I want like all the anti-demon objects right. around me while someone else is doing it. Sure. A reasonable distance away from me. Yeah, I know. I do love the thought that protective like bulletproof glass could stop. Like the demon would just, you know, be real. Yeah. Kill everybody in the room and then go for you. And then like, like oh bing! man. He ding. Would... Just bounce off it. Yeah. Oh, you got the right kind of glass. <laughs> the anti-demon glass. Demon glass. Okay. You ready to get scared again? I don't know. I feel like, unfortunately, that one's going to hang with me for a while. (laughs) Do you think I can sleep with this? Mm, Yeah, I guess. Sure. This this next tale is worse. Oh, great. It always is. Yeah, usually. Usually. I think it's worse. Because, uh, you know, the first tale requires some suspended disbelief. Uh Uh-huh. You know, know, we weren't there. We don't know for sure if it happened. Martin could be full of shit. Martin could be full of shit. He could. As could all of these tales. A lot of these tales. Right. But Martin. Could. Remember how Stephen was like, oh, I want somebody Mm -hmm. to witness it? Mm -hmm. Martin could make up that whole story. Oh, he could. He could. He he could have beaten Stephen within an inch of his life. He could have. I'm just saying. But th- this next story is a little different where we know most of the details for sure happened. They're in police reports. Aye. People for sure died. <laughs> I just looked down at my own mug and scared myself. <laughs> a little scary face. Uh, yeah, people, even if Satan isn't real, you know, you, you can still really be sacrificed in the name of Satan. So this is like some witch shit. Salem witch trials kind of stuff? Mm, worse. Yeah. Cool. This, this is real. So fun. So this is, there, there was a cultural phenomenon known as the Satanic Panic. You know, oh, yeah. In the in the eighties in America and nineties, uh, fueled by religious fanatics, quack psychiatrists, false memory syndrome, and the tabloid media, people began to worry that a vast satanic criminal network existed throughout the country. Many worried that organized de- devil worshippers were kidnapping, molesting, sometimes even killing children. They were mutilating and killing animals, including pets. They were raping and torturing, sacrificing souls to Satan. In many minds, dangerous, violent Satanists were everywhere. Your neighbor, your coworker, your local police officer, mayor, doctor, they could all be secret members of a murderous demonic cult. And for the most part, these worries were totally unfounded. At its height, the satanic panic was nothing more than a modern-day witch hunt. 
Lives were needlessly ruined, often based on nothing more than the twisted fantasies of the accusers themselves. Hmm. In time, leading occult criminal experts were discredited. But by that time, for many, irreparable damage had already been done. Many of the falsely accused had already lost their jobs, businesses, homes, sometimes their lives. Several ended up killing themselves in prison. Many spent years incarcerated before their false convictions were overturned, all based on an irrational fear of satanic cults that was almost entirely paranoid. Almost. Satanists do exist. And while most are harmless, while most are essentially what we just talked about, atheists angry with Christianity, some really do worship the Christian devil. Some really do hurt and kill to please this master. Some really do hide in secretive dark cults. Sometimes that darkness is very, very real. And that real darkness is what we're talking about in story number two. Time now for the tale of the Fall River Satanic Cult Killings. By the late 1970s, the once prosperous textile city of Fall River, Massachusetts had fallen on hard times. Factories had closed, buildings were abandoned, and a once vibrant downtown had become a wasteland. Hard drug abuse and prostitution flourished where more reputable commerce once thrived. Amidst this urban decay, between October of 1979 and February of 1980, two young women, both local prostitutes, were bound, raped, tortured, and bludgeoned to death. <sighs> a third victim's body would never be found beyond a skull fragment and clumps of hair left behind in a nearby forest. And a local satanic cult was proven to be behind all this violence. My God. The Fall River Satanic Cult murders would go on to become the most sensational criminal case to come out of the area since Lizzie Borden stood trial for butchering her parents or likely butchering her parents with an axe. She did it. Nearly a century before. I think so, too. The body of the first victim was found on October 13th, 1979, just weeks before Halloween. The body of Doreen Levesque, a 17-year-old runaway from New Bedford, was discovered behind a local vocational high school. Her wrists had been bound with fishing line. There were signs of sexual torture. Oh, no. She'd been stabbed in the head numerous times, Ooh. suffering mul multiple skull fractures. There were signs her body had been placed there that she'd been killed at a different location. The county medical examiner determined that the killing was likely committed by multiple people. The forensic evidence suggested her death had been part of some type of ritual. Oh, dear. It appeared as if she had been partially stoned to death. Ugh, man. Investigators would soon find out that she had been quite literally sacrificed to Satan. Police were about to discover that Fall River's criminal underworld was being ruled by Satan, or at least the belief in Satan. Local drug addicts, or drug addicts, and low-level criminals told police that vice trade was being controlled by a cult of devil worshippers who believed that they took their directives from the Prince of Darkness himself, a cult who believed they were protected by Satan, and in order to keep being protected, they had to pay a satanic toll of sacrificial blood and human souls. Gross. These were not Satanists in the style of Anton LaVey. Satan was not some type of philosophical archetype or metaphor. These were not atheists dabbling in occult magic. These were Satanists who worshipped Lucifer as the theistic embodiment of pure evil, cast in the Christian tradition. These were the very real Satanists that would help fuel the imaginations of the satanic panic. A month after the discovery of Doreen Levesque's battered corpse, a man named Andy Matthias, or Mal Maltius, excuse me, visited the Fall River Police Station to file a missing persons report. Oh, no. For his girlfriend, a 22-year-old prostitute named Barbara Raposa. He claimed to have information relating to the Levesque murder and said a satanic cult was behind her death. Andy Maltius was a mentally unstable dirtbag. Oh. The 44-year-old was a pedophile sexual sadist, violent rapist with a long criminal rap sheet, 
He professed to be a very recently born-again Christian who told police he once worshipped Satan. They would come to find out he was still very active in worshipping the devil. Mm-hmm. Andy said that he and Barbara were practicing Satanists at the time of her disappearance, members of this local cult. Andy offered to arrange a meeting with two other cult members who he was sure would know where his girlfriend was and also what had happened to Doreen Levesque. I have chills. I don't like this. Days later, police met with Karen Madsen. Mardson, excuse me. Days later, police met with Karen Marsden. There we go. And Robin Murphy. Karen Marsden was a 20-year-old single mother. She'd been a teen runaway, was now a drug addict, prostitute, and practicing Satanist. Oh, dear. Robin Murphy, also a teen runaway, also a prostitute, another cult member who was only 17. Minutes into the interrogation, Karen Marsden told the investigators, Carl Drew killed Doreen Levesque. Carl Drew was Doreen, Karen, and Robin's 26-year-old pimp. Oh. He had a violent reputation and, according to Karen, was also the leader of their satanic coven. Hmm. A coven that would become known as the Fall River Cult. Karen claimed all of Drew's girls had been forced to join his cult and that he ruled it with an iron fist. He loved to tell the girls that they had to kill, they had to sacrifice. He loved to say, Satan will take his toll. What? Karen, who was raised Christian, told police that she was convinced that not only would Carl kill her if he found out she betrayed him, he would also send her soul to the flaming pits of hell where it remained for all of eternity. She was terrified. Despite her fear, Karen Marsden cooperated with police and took officers to the nearby Freetown State Forest. Okay. Throughout their investigation, Fall River police would hear all kinds of rumors about the Freetown Forest, where this cult's activity was centered. The Freetown Forest has a long, dark history. Uh-oh. Long before the Fall River killings, it had already been the location of numerous unsolved murders, suicides, mysterious disappearances, animal mutilations, Ugh. a number of other violent crimes and tragic events and accidents. Locals have been hearing for years about how this land was supposedly cursed. It had long been a hotbed for all sorts of paranormal activity. Ghost sightings, UFOs, strange beasts, you name it. Someone had seen it all at one time or another in these woods. Perhaps it was the strange, dark energy of this land that drew the occultists to meet there for their ghoulish rituals. Karen led detectives to the cult's altar, a large, flat stone slab deep in the forest where torch-lit ceremonies were performed over the bodies of naked prostitutes. Okay. Where she explained animals were routinely bled out in Satan's honor. Ew. The Freetown Forest would continue to be a gathering point for dark-minded individuals long after the Fall River cult murders would end. A healthy newborn baby was abandoned in the woods in 1983, found what? dead after it died from exposure. Oh, my God. The baby's parents never identified. Oh, my God. In 1987, the body of a drifter was found in the woods. Someone or someones had burned him alive. <gasps> Almost a decade after Karen showed police the altar, in November of 1988, a hunter would stumble across a camouflage bunker located off a remote hiking trail. Inside the small underground room, a room that reeked of decay, police found old dolls with their eyes gouged out. Oh, no. Various animal bones, a large rusted out butcher knife, huh. one small wooden chair, and the tattered, bloody clothing of a child. Oh, my God. That same year, a dozen calves were found mutilated in the forest. Their throats had been slashed. Their blood had been drained. Strange markings carved into their hides. Ah, Stop. Also, the corpse of Elizabeth Gregory, a woman buried in a remote forest cemetery way back in 1868, had been dug up and taken. Cult activity suspected to, behind, to be behind all of this. Too much. And these are just a few of many, many, many stories about these woods. What's well, too much? 
While Karen led police to the Colt's forest altar, they passed by an algae-covered pool of water, and Karen cowered in fear. Uh-oh. She told the detectives that this was the pond that Carl had, t- Carl had told her if she ever talked to the police, he would dump her body into after injecting battery acid into her veins and offering her soul to Satan. Oh my God, what the fuck? After inspecting the altar, the police arrested and interrogated Carl Drew, but unfortunately for Karen Martson, they didn't have enough evidence to charge him with any serious crimes and had to release him. Oh, dear. Days later, police heard from another cult member, Robin Murphy. Robin told them that she had witnessed Andy Maltius kill Barbara Raposa in a fit of jealous rage, said he'd smashed her in the head with a rock and murdered her. She said that while Barbara's death had nothing to do with Satanism, the killing of Doreen Levesque, on the other hand, was a direct offering of her soul to Satan, and that it was Carl Drew who had sacrificed her. Not all of this would turn out to be true. So crazy. Murphy claimed that Doreen had recently left Carl's coven with the intention of working the streets on her own, but Carl said that wasn't going to work because Satan had a toll that needed to be paid. Aiming to collect, Carl found her in a downtown bar, forced her into his car, and then Robin Murphy, Karen Martison, and Carl's friend and fellow Satanist Willie Smith came along for the ride. No. Carl drove up behind the high school, and the two men took the girl out under some bleachers, out of sight, violently raped, and then killed her, while Murphy and Martison stayed in the car, Horrible, but not entirely true. Police would soon find out that Robin was just as bad as Carl, lying about both murders in various ways to cover up her own involvement. No way. Robin also told police that Karen Marsden was supposed to die next. She didn't lie about that. After her initial interview, Karen Marsden continued to stay in touch with detectives working on the case. She was afraid for her life. She was panicking. She was worried that the coven was going to kill her next, just like Robin had told the police. Regrettably, the police did not take her fear seriously. Great. Due to her hard drug abuse, erratic behavior, unwillingness to testify in court, her statements were basically treated by the police as gossip. Yeah. She was considered an unreliable witness. She seemed more and more emotionally unstable with each meeting. By the time of her final interview, she was on the verge of an emotional breakdown, convinced that she was going to be the cult's next sacrificial murder. Investigators thought she seemed paranoid. Sadly, she was right to be paranoid. (sighs) Bad, bad people really were coming for her. God damn. Karen also told detectives to look into Robin Murphy, said that she was behind the killings, not just Carl Drew. Karen was right about that too. Karen said that while Carl Drew was the coven leader, Murphy also played a direct role in cult rituals, including human sacrifice. She said that Robin had instructed all those present to take part in the mutilation of Doreen Levesque and Barbara Raposa's bodies. Partly for ritual purposes, but also to silence them by directly involving them in the heinous crimes. Barbara wasn't killed in some fit of jealous rage. She was sacrificed. It all seemed to be over the top to investigators. The rantings of a madwoman. Yeah. But then after sharing all this with detectives, Karen disappears on February 9th, 1980. And the officers soon wished they had taken her more seriously. Mm -hmm. Two months later... While clearing a parcel of land near an area pond, a man stumbled across the top half of a human skull. Oh, no. It was Karen's skull. Police arrived on the scene and conducted a more detailed search of the area. They turned up the decaying carcasses of three cats. Sheep bones, clumps of human hair. They found occult jewelry, a high-heeled shoe, pieces torn from a woman's sweater. Karen had been ritually sacrificed. Oh, my God. Soon after this discovery, another cult member, former prostitute Sonny Sparta, contacted police and named Robin Murphy as Karen's killer. Oh. She said she had to confess because recent intercult killings had gone too far. The coven was turning on itself. Sonny knew all about the cult. She was a local Satanist as well. 
She'd hosted a number of satanic gatherings in her apartment and acted as something of a den mother to the young prostitutes, hmm. runaways, and drug users in the area. She was also Robin Murphy's ex-lover. Oh. And according to her, Robin had admitted to killing Karen during a phone conversation. The detectives still weren't convinced that all of these prostitutes were really devil-worshipping Satanists. Oh my god. They thought this was all just a bunch of paranoid junkies. You know, maybe they played a Ouija board or two, but they weren't really cult members. Dude. But there was all this evidence, you know, of altars and ritual killings. So what was going on? They wanted to see what this cult was really about. Sunny Sparta invited them to attend a black mass <gasps> in her apartment. Oh, she man. told them before the mass got started, we pray to Satan, we chant, we try to conjure him. Assembled other, under a large mural of the devil painted on the living room wall, congregants formed a circle and started to chant, Hail Satan! Hail Satan! Leading the ceremony, a nude woman later identified as another prostitute from nearby Providence, Rhode Island. It was real. These people really were worshipping the Dark Lord. Mm -hmm. Although the detectives did not witness any actual paranormal demonic activity at this black mass, Sparta said that more lively black mass gatherings were taking place in the Freetown State Forest. Mm -hmm. She denied any knowledge of human sacrifice. I mean, of course she did. She's talking to detectives. Right. But she did admit that she'd seen goats, stray cats... Other animals sacrificed at the ceremonies. Their warm blood used in mock baptisms poured over the heads of gathered congregants. <sighs> she said that during these rituals, she witnessed participants lose consciousness and speak in tongues. She said Satan appears in a form where he feel his presence. He takes possession of one of us. You can tell when Satan is here. Some people even let him speak through them in his own language. It isn't human speech. There's no way anyone on earth could fake it. In later court testimony, Robin Murphy would make similar claims. In addition to talking about devilish chanting and incomprehensible speech, she said human skulls full of human blood were used during ceremonies. Ugh, so gross. She claimed to have personally attended 10 such cult gatherings in the forest between October 1979 and February 1980, including the two when Doreen Levesque and Karen Martson were killed. Mm -mm. Another area prostitute and cult member, Carol Fletcher, also came forward to say that Robin Murphy and Carl Drew were behind the satanic killings, and investigators finally arrested them both. Good. After lengthy interrogation, Robin Murphy broke down and told the police everything. She told the police that Karen Marsden had become a liability. She'd witnessed the sacrifice of Doreen Levesque. They heard she was talking to the police. Carl Drew decided she had to die. <gasps> Robin told police that blood sacrifices were a constant and important part of cult life. They killed every 30 days or so on the full moon offering victim souls to Satan. How many people were sacrificed by this cult? At least three. Who knows how many more could have died? Probably so many. And how did they die? I don't want to know. Well, you're going to. Oh. Painfully and while terrified. According to court testimony, Robin Murphy dragged Karen Marsden from the car after she and Carl Drew kidnapped her, drove her to the forest, marched her out to the altar, pulling her by her hair. They forced the terrified young mother down on her knees. Oh, God. And proceeded to stone her. Oh, my God. God. Drew, Murphy, and others all pelted her with rocks, several smashing her face and head. Drew then slowly cut off one of the already grotesquely injured Marsden's fingers oh. to make her feel pain, quote. And then he broke her neck with his bare hands, oh. but she was still alive. Oh, my God. Then, while in a ritualistic trance-like state, Robin Murphy followed by slitting Marsden's throat with a ceremonial knife handed to her by Carl. Jesus. The two men, to desecrate her dead body and please the dark god of terror and mayhem, then tore Karen's head from her body. Literally kicking it around the woods Still not done 
The frenzied post-mortem defilement would reach its climax when Drew carved an X in Demarston's torso and began to speak in devilish tongues. Oh my god. On his knees, he prayed to Satan, offered her soul to his god. He then dipped his thumb into her blood, made an X on Robin Murphy's forehead. Then to break one final moral taboo, Murphy performed oral sex on Karen's headless cadaver. No! Before it was dumped in the woods, doused in gasoline, and burned to ash. Oh. My God. While the bodies of the other two women hadn't been burned, all three women suffered similar fates. Jesus. Various cult members, after all this, would be arrested. Many Good. would go on to die in prison. Good. Robin Murphy received a life sentence with a possible possibility of parole as a part of a plea bargain. No. Spent 24 years behind bars before being released on June 10th, 2004. She's currently back in prison for a parole violation. Good. Carl Drew serving a life sentence with no possibility of parole. The False River Satanic Cult incarcerated no more. They didn't exist anymore by the spring of 1980. But were they really gone? There are those who believe that Murphy, Drew, and others were just a small piece of a much larger satanic criminal organization that remains deeply rooted in both Fall River, Massachusetts and neighboring Providence County, Rhode Island. Ten years later, a serial killer, perhaps killers, murdered at least nine area (gasps) prostitutes by strangulation. No way. According to a local detective who worked on these cases, makeshift satanic altars were found near the victims. Oh, no. Those cases remain unsolved, careful, out in the woods. <sighs> that one scary. Uh, you know why that one scares me? Yeah. So real. So real. I was like having flashes of um, Kiss the Girls. Mm-hmm. Did you ever see that? Uh, I don't remember it if I did. Ashley Judd, Morgan mm, Freeman. Yes, years some ago, but I don't really remember white it. white dude. I cannot think of. Uh, but he would kidnap these women and then like... Um, he had this underground tunnel, like elaborate system, and he would, he only, I guess the difference here is that like he would only abduct beautiful young collegiate women yeah. that were very talented. You know, um, one of them I remember was a violin player, yeah. like a, um, a, pro- a prodigy, you know, things like that, and then would force them to you know, use their skills to entertain him, you know, ah. so play music, whatever, but then, you know, like a slow excuse me, slow, terrible death. They would, I I think like chasing through the woods. It's all like a little piecemeal in my brain, but yeah, yeah, the thing that freaks me out is it's like, you were talking about in the first story, like I'd witness that. Like I'd, Oh yeah, you witness that. And then the next you go to a black mass or you try to conjure something. And now you're involved in a group of people who seriously believe this and are not doing it for entertainment or security. Because there's a chance. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And now, and now you are on their fucking list. Yeah. Yikes. Let's see if you, uh, pictures of a few of these people. I do not want to see this. This is Robin Murphy. Is it like, is it a picture of her he- alive? Oh, no, this is the one who is like went to jail. Okay. Yeah, that's just, that's just at the time of her arrest. That's, just, you know, young Robin Murphy. I'm nervous for what you're going to show me. I'm always nervous, but I feel like. <laughs> More nervous? Yeah, I just, this isn't going to be good. So, I mean, I mean, she doesn't, I mean, she doesn't look friendly. As no, you but she expect. just looks like, you know, hard life. Yes, that's true. That's true. Uh, she's it's, she's not unattractive. She's just you no. know somebody who's had a hard life. True, true. Now this now the, there's the bad guy, the pimp. Oh the, yeah, the, the leader. Let's get a picture of him. <laughs> <laughs> I thought I just lighted it up. That's just a weird guy to Satan costume. Uh, He's so happy. I thought you were going to show. Uh, Chicken Joe, one of the characters from oh, Time that, Suck. No, no. He's also a pimp. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Nah, I thought it was missed be opportunity. You, you in Me your Chicken him? Joe costume. No, this, this next one really is Carl Drew. So, I mean, he, yeah, hard life as well. 
that's him at the time of his rescue. Kind of a okay. you know, muscular dude. Yeah, I mean, again, not unattractive. No, no. You know? Fit, um, you know. Now, here's a picture, of, a picture of a satanic altar. Now, this is not the one out in the West. <laughs> that really is a picture. That's down in Catamaco, down in uh, Mexico. There's I'm, I'm cool trying stuff. not to stare at the dicks. Okay, well, let's move on. Let's get to the next picture. Yeah, so you don't have to really stare right at it. Yeah, I, I really can't see yeah. an altar. All I see is oh, dick. Oh, shoot. That's even closer up. <laughs> Okay, sorry. Let's get okay. Next, next one. This this next picture. Oh my god! Oh, that's even closer. God dang it! Okay, okay. Now we'll move on. Move on to the next one. <laughs> okay, okay. For now, we'll for real move on to the next one. I'm watching under the corner one of my more. eye. And what? Let's move on to the next one. Okay, okay. Now. Oh. <laughs> 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 little picture of the guy's face on the end of the devil wing. Oh my god! That really is like a, an altar to Satan. Like they had, yeah, he had a big hard see, penis. I couldn't see the altar. All I saw was there was a, a per- more Baphomet stuff in the background. Yeah, yeah, I couldn't see anything except a naked person with a dick, <laughs> right, hard right. cock. Okay, Joe, that's enough. <laughs> I know you it love it. Cracks me up so much. Um, the, the the next one's a real. This is not the dick. Now that's um. The inverted pentagram, that's the Baphomet. That, that's, that's the main kind of symbol associated with satanic worship. Now, what are the symbols on the outside? Because they look Hebrew to me. You know, it varies from kind of uh, one. To, I actually don't know. Or Middle Eastern? I don't know in that one. Yeah, what that, those like, are. Uh, for those of you watching at home, in the upper left hand, my upper left hand corner, uh, like so as you're watching it, the left, that is definitely uh, a Jewish Hebrew symbol. And I can't remember. It probably is. That is Shalom. They incorporate Hebrew and Latin and, you know, into their, you know, rituals and stuff. Absolutely. So. Can I tell you something funny about the first story? Sure. There's a song that you sing at Rosh Hashanah. Yeah. And is all I could think in my head, like for a solid few minutes. You had a little ditty going? Yeah. Apples dipped in honey for Rosh Hashanah. And it's like this whole thing. It's like a good new year, a sweet new okay. year. It's like you do it with little kids, but that yeah. is they eat apples dipped in honey. Aww. And so I was trying to calm myself. Yeah, by your relax little sing song inside. My little apples and honey. So which which uh, so you did first or second story? Which second think? story? Second story got me more. fucked up. Okay. Scared in a way that like. I know they didn't talk God, about what a ab- terrible way to die. Well, I know that you weren't talking Jeez. about abducting just random strangers, but yeah. now I just have this vision of like, well, I was thinking about how, you know, we don't live far from, far from Spokane, Washington. Yeah. And there is a, a drug prostitute problem in, mm-hmm, in a mm-hmm. certain area over mm-hmm. there. And then I was just thinking like, oh my God, you know, you see those women. Yeah. You, you, I mean, you can pick them out. It's really obvious. There's this just, you know what I'm talking about. Yep. yep. Um, and I'm like, man, it makes me think like if somebody would just help you, if, I mean, I know a lot of times there's drugs and mental right. illness and da, 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 but like, what if you, you weren't just a prostitute? Like, what if you were wrapped up in something oh my so God, this kind fucking of stuff. awful? And there's the element, I know this is more of like, you know, it could feel like true crime, but because of this satanic cult, you know, backstory, so you know, if, if we're going to let our minds go to this imaginative place of, you know, this stuff could be real. You know, what if they did tap into something that was just evil and, and, and was just kind of pushing them to take things further and desecrate and kill and harm right. further? Were they Eek. were they possessed in some capacity? I mean, if we're going to believe that other possessions are possible, you have to believe it in this case, too, that there could be some otherworldly forces mm-hmm. that were wrapped up in all of this. And just spooky to me that this forest, that there's still been Dude. things going on. Not going to hike in there. I mean, I'm, uh, never. Not at night, at least. Yeah. No, just never. Well, also, I was thinking about, um, I just finished watching season two of The Sinner. Mm-hmm. Did you watch it? I watched it. It's great. So I think, I actually had to stop watching it because it started to feel so real to me. Mm-hmm. And so there's, 
you know, there's different elements about being scared and there's different yeah. things about scared to death that get me. And there's obviously like, you know, shadow people, black eyed children, aliens. Like I definitely, I have that imaginative, imaginative fear that yeah. I can conjure up. But to me, a cult, a real cult yes, is so much kind, more terrifying yeah. because it just feels like you could accidentally find yourself there you could you know like you're going through a rough patch in life you meet somebody who's into this you resonate with it it feels yeah home you know a community and then the next thing you know so like in the center you know it's like Mm -hmm. they're bringing in people who need therapy who Mm -hmm. are having a hard time they're living off the land like it feels not all bad and then it just gets fucking crazy and i think that that's what that second story really does me in is I'm like, you know, young prostitutes, so probably like abused at home. Yeah. Right? I mean, there's like a whole long sad story that leads up to Ugh, them becoming yeah. prostitutes. And then that dark finish. Yeah. Yeek. Yeah. And just and and I'm sure again, like they probably just joined into the satanic cult thinking or were pressured to join. Right, right, by their pimp. By their pimp. But but, but not everybody there was a prostitute. So I'm thinking about yeah. the group as a whole. Oh, yeah. You know, it's just like a group of people who are lost in the world. And I think mm. that that's a lot of religion just in general, is that people who need there yeah. to be meaning and they're going through a hard patch. I mean, most people turn to religion when they're right. going through a hard thing, right? Sure. So if you think of the cult, satanic or otherwise, yeah. right? I mean, you could refer to Catholicism as a certain kind of cult, yeah. Just because they're not sacrificing people, it's a what a what a weird one to turn to yeah. when it's theistic Satanism, which which again is I know it's very rare. I know it's very rare. Like right, you know, right. like uh, many Satanists are completely harmless. Again, they're just mostly just kind of atheists or certain humanist views, and you know, and they find uh, you know most Western religion abhorrent. You right. know, that's that. Then there is this rare subcategory of theistic Satanists who truly want to worship. The Christian devil, like what a strange choice to make. Yeah, and I just imagine that you don't like dive into that head first. You're probably you kind of ease into it. Evil, yeah. Well, yeah, like you probably start with just like you know Church of Satan, and then like that doesn't satisfy you anymore. It's kind of like a drug, right? Mm -hmm. You just want more and more and more. Possibly, yeah. Yeah, I don't know. That that fucked me up. Please don't kid. Let me get kidnapped and be a satanic sacrifice okay i'll work on it i'll work on it so those so those are my I'm really s- loving this cross <laughs> yeah good good gives you comfort. yeah um so those are my stories but i know you have some stuff for me well yeah i do i do dan but before okay we get to that just get to my handy dandy notebook here yeah um you know i know that um our fans are loving hearing about how i'm losing my mind mm-hmm. so do you remember what happened last week I, I'm trying to remember. I get, I get all the weeks missed. I, yeah. I know. I know I some know. things happen. I know you've been freaked out. And, our, and I have a weird thing in the office for you too. Ooh. So our life gets a little bit blurry just like with travel and, and all the things that we're navigating. But um, after last week's episode, we recorded and I was doing okay. I was like, okay, that's fine. But then I was working on the emails yeah. from home. Yeah. And that's the thing, guys. The emails, it's like I can do the story and I can be here in this space mm-hmm. and then I can kind of like cleanse myself of it and move <laughs> past it. But when I yeah. am, we're getting hundreds of emails, which I love. This is awesome. I, Thank you. Want, Thank you. Yeah. Yes. And I don't want them to stop. But I have to stop replying to them. Yeah. So for her sanity, truly for her sanity, and I and I don't have time, like because I'm do, was with time suck and everything else and stand up. <laughs> it's not what I thought you were gonna say. I thought you were gonna say I don't have time to talk her off a ledge. Oh no no no! But just to, to get back, I don't have I don't I just truly don't have the time in my life to dedicate dedicate to those. Yes. But, but, but so, we have a situation. We have a we have a solution. We have a solution. Yes. And so um. So we, of course, still want to hear from you and we want your stories because as you're about to find out, we're gonna start incorporating them into the show. And I do love knowing that. 
things are happening to people or have happened and you know you're wanting to share that with us because that's the sense of community around this that i love yeah um but when you email your stories into my story at scaredtodeathpodcast.com, you are no longer going to be hearing from me. If you've come over from Time Suck, you write me, might remember the knowledge ninja, Heather. Mm-hmm, yeah, Heather Rutherford. Yep. Heather is has been a part of our little family and community here for a long time. And so I met with her and talked with her, and she is going to be replying to your emails. She, she loves spooky stuff. Mm-hmm. She really, really loves it, and she can handle it better than I can. <laughs> Yeah, she's, maybe she's more stable than I am. Um, so when you email in your stories, because again, please keep sending them. My story at scaredtodeathpodcast dot com. You will now be hearing back from Heather, mm-hmm. and just know that if you are sharing something like really deeply personal. Um, Heather is going to be respectful of that. She's going to forward those emails on to me. She's going to kind of comb through them, pick out the best ones. We have a whole file going, and I will go through and pick from those which stories make it into the episodes each week. And then if you have anything else that you need to tell us, um, you know, I I don't know what you would want to share with us outside of your stories, but then you can email me directly at info at scaredtodeathpodcast.com. And I'll be checking that email sporadically. And and, and another reason I can't answer the emails uh, that I don't know why I didn't say earlier is because I I, want to be we're kind of flipping it this, you know, fl- flipping what we just did before oh, yeah. where then I get to not know what the story is going to be and have a real reaction on camera. Yeah. Cause, cause are, these are all one takes. Yeah. That's why we keep the mistakes in. Uh, we want to, I want to capture Lindsay's, you know, if I mess up a story, well then the mistake has to stay because right. I have to catch, you know, Lindsay reacting to the very first time she's heard it. Yeah. And now I get to do that. Yeah. 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 And, uh, yeah, yeah. So that so so I was freaking out last week. So we're sitting at home, and I, I it was like a near tears situation where I was like, I, I can't do these emails. And Dan stopped what he was doing, and he made me a drink, and we sat down, and he was like, Okay, we can't keep going like this. So mm-hmm. and then I was like, Satan commands you to do what I wish. <laughs> what's your what's your scary story about what happened in the office before i share some fan stories it's, a, with you? it's just a tiny one it's a tiny little thing it was just weird um it's just the timing of it is uh-huh. i came i came here late uh, the other night to actually work on uh, some time stuck stuff and no one else is in the office and we have these little uh racquetballs these little black racquetballs oh, yeah. that we throw for the dogs throw at each other sometimes they're all around the office it was just weird the way it looked where i set some stuff on the couch my backpack yeah and a package and then I'm getting ready to walk over to my desk, and a, and a little black racquetball slowly rolls no. out. No. Right on the couch. Like something had just rolled it from underneath the couch. And I was like, nope. All right. Just going <sighs> to ignore this and keep going and, you know, just put it out of my what? mind. And I wasn't totally freaked out, but I was also not about to look under the fucking couch. No part of me was going to do that. Fuck. I can't believe you stayed here and worked. I would have grabbed I want, my shit and left. I wanted I been to out. I wanted to be like, nope, I get this is my office. This is where I get to work. Well, yeah, actually somebody in Portland was telling me like uh spirits are kind of like teenage boys, like they're just kind of fucking with you. So really just kind of tell them be like, hey man, fucking knock it off. Oh, that's true. Uh, that's that's, that's I've been doing a lot of that this they week. Good. Good. Okay. Um okay. So you want to hear some stories? Oh yeah. Uh, so Spooky we're gonna stories. share two. And uh just to be clear, like disclaimer, I am not an excellent storyteller, so don't expect you're better, you're better than you think. Well, we'll see. Um, and also, yeah, we're just like playing with this format. So it might be one huge story one week. It might be three or four little stories. We're just going to see how it goes and how you guys enjoy this. Um, all right. So this is actually just a, a little story from Gary K. Okay. Gary says, hey, Dan and Lindsay, I just listened to your first two episodes of Scared to Death 
oh my God, I had chills during the Screaming House story. Mm. It reminded me of my childhood. Eek. (laughs) When I was about four or five back in 1989, my parents moved us into a three-bedroom home. The carpet in my sister's room was pink. And I mean pink, like the shade of pink from trying to clean up blood. My dad always teased my sister, saying someone was killed in her room. Ha ha. My sister was nine at the time. Then one night, the smoke detectors started going off every hour on the hour in the middle of the night for no reason. That, that was not the freakiest thing. The freakiest thing that occurred was about a month later. My brother and I were in my parents' room for some reason when suddenly we heard what sounded like an old wooden rocking chair creaking. Then we saw the shadow of an old woman rocking in a chair. My dad, trying to calm us down, said that the shadow was only the moonlight shining through a tree by the window and that the rocking chair moving was a tree limb rubbing against the window in the wind. Figment of your imagination. Okay. Two days later, our dog randomly died. We don't know why. She was in perfectly good health, and we just happened to find her dead on our back porch. Again... Ah, so sad. I know. Again, my dad says it was all a coincidence. Two weeks later, he told the landlord everything that was going on. Turns out, in 1975, an 80-year-old woman was killed by her dog in my sister's room. What? The dog was rabid. The landlord said that every family that lived in the house with a dog would freakishly and randomly find their dog dead. We moved out as soon as Elise was up. Hey, shitty landlord, maybe fucking disclaim that dogs die there. I I don't think that you have to disclaim. you should morally. Well... But I guess that'd be kind of a weird thing. I mean, yeah, that, that freaked me out. But, but that would be a weird thing. Like, if, if like, oh, hey, you have a dog. You shouldn't live here. Right. If you have a dog, your dog's going to get killed by ghosts. Like, how do you tell that? How story? do you? Without like a, sounding like a lunatic. Without sounding like a lunatic. Yeah. Uh-huh. And then oh also, God, if you don't true. have a dog, I mean, then you're not telling uh, people. And then people find out, well, you told Susie and Johnny that their dog was going to die. Why didn't you tell me there was something fucking awful here? That was really creepy. Really creepy. It's about to get creepier. Oh, man. It's like, you're me now. I know. It's pretty fun. <laughs> Okay. Okay. Spooky Suckmaster and Queen of the Darkness. Love the new show. Longtime listener of Time Suck, but I guess I needed even more darkness in my life because I'm now hooked on Scared to Death. I've got a real life personal story that scared my girlfriend and I shitless a few years back. It was winter and I was a senior in college finishing up my thesis project. As a biology major, I had to access a, I had access to a university-owned forest about 45 minutes outside of town. The land had previously been owned by a wealthy Detroit man who purchased the massive forest as a hunting property for himself upon his return from World War I. At some point after his death, the university acquired the land as well as a large, creepy, early 20th century plantation-style former vacation home that lies at the center of the property. Being super far behind on my giant-ass final paper, I decided to get away from the city and spend the weekend there, riding with my girlfriend and a few of my colleagues. This was working fine until one of them informed the group they had heard of past researchers who had explained inexplicable paranormal things during overnights in this house. And of course, this person had half-jokingly brought a Ouija board for that evening's Uh, entertainment. mm -hmm. After sundown, we were cooking a late dinner and exploring the house when we heard an enormous crash come from the unfinished cellar basement. Going to investigate, we saw the creepiest fuck storm doors securely locked and the dirt floor basement completely empty, nothing on the ground. No explanation to be found. 
Against my better judgment, my girlfriend decided this was just the perfect time to set up our Ouija board. Around the kitchen table, in the candlelight, we began the process, getting information such as the spirit's name. And the name was Twin. And they had died in the house at the age of six. To wrap this up, we asked if there was anything else the spirit wanted us, as visitors, to know. The temperature around me immediately took a drastic plunge, and the planship began moving more and more quickly than before. G-E-T-O-U. We all knew what was being said, so we forced the plastic planchet handpiece to goodbye and ended all communication. We frantically flipped on the light switch and, to my horror, saw an additional chair had been pulled up directly behind where I had been sitting. Needless to say, we lost our shit. That night, we locked ourselves in the bunk room, but I couldn't sleep at all. A strange scratching noise was coming from outside the locked door, almost like a dog's claw walking along the hardwood floor back and forth. I was paralyzed with fear until the sun came up and the sounds finally stopped. I'll never know what that sound was because we are never fucking going back in that old house again. Anyways, it takes a lot to convince four future scientists that the paranormal (sighs) is real, but that night definitely did it for us. Fuck Ouija boards and trying to communicate with spirits, J and E. They didn't want to give their names. Wow. Isn't that terrifying? Yeah, so there was nothing in that room. Like they said, like there's nothing on the floor. Nothing. And then all of a sudden, a fucking chair is just behind them. Oh, 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 well, I, th- I think, okay, so they, they heard a crash and they went to go, in, like in the basement. They were like, oh, oh, oh. So they go to check this, where they hear this crash coming from. So let's say they're on level one. Yes. They hear it coming from the basement. Yes. They go down there. The doors are locked and they see nothing around the locked doors. That's Got part it. one. Yes. That Then they bring out the Ouija board. Right. They, now, so there's, let's say, like main level they're all fucking around just like us if we had a ouija board here yeah lights off yeah the ouija board telling them to get out yeah they they go to goodbye they turn on the lights and there is an additional chair that was not there before and then yeah a little scratching and stuff Uh uh-huh yeah terrifying god that was those were scary i know that's why I can't do the fucking emails. It's so many stories like that. Like, Oh, my God. I love this new part of the show. Oh, you do? Good. Yeah. Yeah, there are some stories that are like, okay, I can kind of like justify it away in my mind. Sure. Where I'm like, okay, I can reply to this email quickly and I can like let this go. But shit like that, I'm like, oh, no. Both ah, of man. I mean, a dead dog. That, uh, that's, that's not. That's the one. I mean, they're both. They both the, really freak me out. Right. But the, but the first one. The first one. Oh, my God. Like the lady, what, she's just mad at this, she kills dogs now because her dog got her? Or can a dog spirit haunt you from the other world? Is that know. rabid dog coming back and killing other dogs? No, I think it's old lady. You do? Mm-hmm. She's pissed. Mm-hmm. Mm. Yeek. 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 Happy Halloween, Dan. Yeah, yeah happy Halloween, Lindsay. Thank you. And this was fun. I really, I really like this. Um, be- Before we uh, wrap this up. Yeah. So, so keep them in the photo, fan photo. From uh, oh yes yeah Marshall Harden which also <laughs> showing on the screen right now you can see it on the YouTube channel I, I'm turning away because so he sent in Little red eyes yeah Marshall creepy Marshall sent this in a few weeks ago and I looked at it and then I immediately slammed my computer shut it yeah, was, it's a it's really good but B is fucking terrifying yeah that story from uh, England the the, the the Cornish little double unit where things were coming out of the floor. Eek. Okay, that's enough, Joe. Thank you. So yeah, so please keep sending stories to my story at scaredtodeathpodcast.com. Everything else, info at scaredtodeathpodcast.com. And follow the show. 
Facebook and Instagram, yes. Scared to Death Podcast. Please do that. Yes, and also make sure that you are continuing to do all your ratings and reviews. Yeah, it helps so much. You guys have no idea. Like, we're hearing from other people. They're like, oh my God, like, this show is so amazing. I found it because yep. I was looking for something new, and your show is really well rated. Yes. So it really does matter. Yes. So it please, helps. please, please. We're really enjoying doing this. Yeah, we don't want to stop anytime soon. So uh, that's all for today. Thank you for listening to a, you know, or watching. Scared to Death, uh, Bad Magic Production. Thanks to the Bad Magic Productions team, Harmony Velikamp, Social Media, Joe Paisley, producing and directing, Zach Flannery, part of the team as well, uh, and then also Zach Cohen, Joe Paisley, Jeffrey Montoya. Thanks for the sound beds. Woohoo! Heather Rylander for taking over my story at ScaredToDeathPodcast.com. <sighs> Thanks, Heather. That was so fun to hear those stories. Yeah. And uh, yeah, keep sending in your awesome stories. You know, keep keep tuning into the show. Subscribe everywhere. Watch the show. Enjoy your nightmares. Happy Halloween. Get scared to death. Creeps and campers. Bye, guys. If spirits threaten me in this place, fight water by water and fire by fire. Banish their souls into nothingness and remove their powers until the last trace. Let these evil beings flee through time and space. Evil may pass through, but has no home here within scared to death.